Sexual sin is an obvious manifestation of a worldly mindset, but there are other, less obvious, and much less wicked ways in which Satan allures us into a godless lifestyle. This was definitely true for Gabriel, Chad, and Vinny, three men on staff here at Pure Life Ministries who were once hopelessly caught up in this world system. In this special roundtable discussion, they sit down to discuss the details of what drew them away from God and also the miraculous transformation that occurred during their time in our residential program. Hey, welcome. This is exciting. I'm really looking forward to getting to uh, talk a little bit about what is our influence um, before Pure Life even of the world, mm. the influence that we've had in others' lives, and the influence the world has had in us specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to kind of get us started and really thinking about that, kind of want to think a little bit about what it was like before Pure Life. You know, if you're thinking about being so involved in the world, were you even aware of the world's influence at the time? Mm. And for me, I know specifically, I, I was a professing Christian, but wasn't actually following the Lord. Mm. Um, so for you guys in the same sense, what was that like before Pure Life, the influence the world had as a professing Christian? I was basically, that's all I had, was a profession. You know, from the time I was about probably 13, you know, I had started just completely throwing off everything of Christianity. Um, but if you were to ask me, if someone were to ask me straight up, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. But as far as like the involvement with the world, that's all I had. All of my friends were unbelievers. Um, most of my family. Was there like a, you know, when you think about it, being a professing Christian, you know, I guess for me specifically, there was the influence of the world that, uh, did not really concern me because I was already so immersed in the world's culture and even in a system that the world had. Um, I wasn't even aware. So, hmm. for right. example, like for me, there were standards, there were morals that I had received as a professing Christian, but I was all the time violating those left and right. Right. And um, that was really keeping me very deluded from actually realizing uh, the world's influence in my life was more than just my sexual sin. Yeah, right. And, um, mm. you know, I can say that I did not genuinely have any concern besides being successful. It wasn't so much as a professing Christian being concerned about what the world's influencing me. I was so immersed in the world, I was wanting to succeed in it. I'm just thinking back to growing up. So I grew up in a Christian home as well. Hmm. And my mom had something real in the Lord, but a lot of, from you know my young growing up perspective, a lot of our spiritual life, our religious uh, involvement was just the services that we went to on the weekends. So kind of growing up, I, I wasn't really established in what the Word had to say about my condition, about God, hmm. about really anything. It was just kind of hearsay of what someone else has said or what someone else got from the Lord. And so I was never really rooted and grounded in truth. 
Right. And so I went about my life doing my best to separate myself from what I thought the world was. Wow. Hmm. And it, it was a mess. It was a mess. I had my whole own temple of moral guidelines, of religion, of do's and don'ts. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to follow these, and these will separate me from the world. And this is what the world is over here. This is what I perceive, I think the world is. And of course, I had all of my friends that agreed with me. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. what the world is. We need mm. to not do that. Yeah. But when it came down to it, very little of it had anything to do with my heart. Like, I love the world. Mm. I just, you know, created my own little patch of world, my mm. own little kingdom. So the reality of how God looked in my heart, how God looked into my life, I had no separation from the world. Yeah. Something that you said, a specific example of that, like, own value system that I had created uh, apart from the word, but sort of aligning with the word, you know, seeing faults in others and then kind of looking at my, so like gossip was a specific example. Mm -hmm. I would always see people gossiping about other people and I would just Mm -hmm. stay away from those conversations. I wouldn't, I would do my best to not talk about other people. And, but all the meanwhile, like inside being very, very critical of Mm. other people, even just that, like looking at other people gossiping and yeah, being right. critical of that, you know, uh, I was in the same spirit as they were. I just wasn't acting it out. I was like kind of trying to separate myself from it. Yeah. Were there any type of like warnings or red flags about your professing Christian lifestyle and the lifestyle that you had with your involvement in the world? Particularly for me, I'll go ahead and just share that I was I was just so deluded I mean, so deluded because of my knowledge that I had of the word, not aligning with my lifestyle, you know, being outward in the church and then, you know, behind the scene, behind the closed doors when nobody knew anything else Mm -hmm. was going on in my own life, I was living duplicit. So Mm. parents, friends, family, yeah, I mean, they saw something that was very much of a believer, but I had such a uh, double life. Even It wasn't even in the form of sexual sin. Uh, it was, but it wasn't just that. That's what I mean. It wasn't just the sexual sin. Like, I even remember I had playlists, you know, where I would have separated my hip-hop or my, you know, party music, and then I would have my Christian music. Hmm. And I remember hmm. seeing that and thinking, man, like that really right there, that shows me my relationship with the Lord. Hmm. Um, I will give him part time and I will keep my other time for hmm. my parties, my friends. And so, you know, with that, it was very difficult for me to hear or heed any warnings or any caution signs that were going on um, in my life about being a part or partaking in a world system. Mm. So do you guys have any experience with that or any, um, I guess, thoughts on that from the past? Yeah. So like I said, I had thrown off Christianity at a young age and I went after the world, but I had a mother who was very close to God. And so I was propping up this morality to other people. You know, I was a nice kid, didn't really get in trouble or anything like that. And uh, I was trying to like stand on that, but 
she saw right through it. Mm. And she would constantly, looking back, it was just pure love, just constantly confront me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how can you call yourself a Christian? You don't read the Bible. You don't pray. Like, she wouldn't even half the time mention go to church. She's like, you don't even have a relationship with the Lord. How wow. can you know yeah. him? And wow. so I was always confronted with that. And my response to her would be silence mm. every time. Like I had nothing to say and I would kind of just like ride it out until she couldn't say it anymore. <laughs> and then I would just like bury that conviction. But yeah, I'm grateful looking back now, I'm so grateful to the Lord that yeah, those red flags were always in my face, wow. you know, but every time I pushed it down, my heart got a little harder too. Mm-hmm. So you got any, um, experience with that too, Chad? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know that there's anyone that hasn't had those red flags because the Lord is faithful mm. and he mm. wants everyone to come to repentance. But I think it's what you said is really key was my heart in a place where I could actually like mm. hear or see or understand that the Lord was saying, stop, don't go that way. Yeah. And I, I would just have to say that like my mom. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Praise come on, mom. Moms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Keep praying. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah. It's awesome. I remember one time specifically. So my, my parents had divorced when I was 14 or 15. And so we did like the whole weekend at dad's thing. Mm. And I came home from my dad's house and, you know, being a young kid, when we grew up on a farm, so we'd go to the farm, we could, you know, ride four wheelers. We basically had free freedom to do whatever we wanted. There wasn't a whole lot of sin involved, but it was just like freedom to do whatever that's I wanted. It. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I would come back to my mom's house from that. And this, she had told me this story later on in life. And she was like, Chad, you would come home and you would be another person. Hmm. Like there was, there was a wow. spirit that got a hold of you, she and she was it. like, sometimes I would just stay up. Like you would go to come home, you would go to bed, and I would stay up outside of your door at night, and just pray. And mm. then you would wake up in the morning, and you would be the Chad that I knew. Um, and so I mean, yeah, I would just say that my mom confronted me on different things. One time, I was I, I bought a pipe for tobacco. And I had it in a backpack, and she sniffed it out. Like, inside the backpack, she was like, what's that smell? No kidding. <laughs> she found it, <laughs> so and she was like, what is mom. this? And yeah. I'm like, how did you find that? Yeah. Um, but she confronted me on that. She confronted me on my sin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my mom was a huge deterrent. And I would say that... Praise God. If if I had left my house, my home, I, I you know lived with my mom up until coming here, if I had left that that was probably the one convicting voice in my life. I'm mm. not sure I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm. So mm. she was like doing that, convicting me and, and like confronting me on my sins. Yeah. So I wasn't like ready to fully give over to it because I didn't want to move mm-hmm. out and have to pay rent. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of red th- flags to that, broken relationships over oh, and over man. again, mm-hmm. you know, just leaving a, a string of hurt people behind me. So those were definitely like the the red lights that the Lord was bringing into my life. Be like, mm. look, stop with the worldliness. Stop with loving mm. the world, um, loving yourself. But I just chose not to heed those voices. Yeah, and you know, you think like apart from, you know, we had the sexual sin in our past, and that was just, that was very obvious in our own lives and even the effects that it had on other people. But what about, 
the other parts of the world system that really influenced us. You know, for example, for me, I'll share, I'll go ahead and share this uh, story. You know, there was after college for me, there was this huge desire to be famous, to mm. go and pursue acting, pursue modeling. And I had ended up becoming very uh, acquainted and even becoming very good friends with someone that was in Hollywood at the time. And I remember after some talk with him, he was very open with me. I just remember specifically one day getting a call and saying, look, this is the time, this is the opportunity you have, but it is going to cost everything. You're gonna have to leave your mom and dad and your job, and you're gonna have to go out to California. Now I'll put you up in a home there in my house. Um, you might have to wait some tables, bust some tables a little bit, but if you're going to pursue this, you're gonna have to give everything to it. Hmm. But I remember it was like clear as day, just even thinking about it now, I remember literally thinking, I've heard those words before and it was the Lord's you know, sell everything, leave your mother, your father. Mm. And it seemed to, like, at the time, it wasn't, like, very clear. Mm. But I, like, that was what the world was offering me, and it was copycat of what the Lord was saying. And when I saw the cost of that and I wasn't willing to go that far, I thought, okay, I'll just settle. I'm going to actually just settle for the American church culture, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, the American Christianity culture of being comfortable and having a good life. And um, that's what even messed me up more hmm. because I was thinking that actually... You can justify that. Totally. That yeah. was my normal, right? That's what that's what everybody else looks mm -hmm. like, and that's what everybody else mm -hmm. is doing in the church. Yeah. But on that thought, it's it was the same thing. It was a love of this life with no regard for the eternal life that Jesus promised, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, totally. the verse that keeps coming to mind is when he said, you know, you must lose your life in yeah. this life to gain it. But if you hold on to your life here, you'll lose your eternal life. And that was the thing that I think drove me most away from the Lord hmm. is I wasn't willing to give up my life here. I wanted acceptance and approval was a big thing for me. Those and tempted you. They tempted me yeah. quite a bit. Um, and it wasn't the acceptance and approval of the Lord I was after. Hmm. I was after the approval of the world around me, you know, people I was hanging out with, like I said, most of them were well, at one point, all of them were unbelievers, except my mom hmm. and a couple other family members. But, you know, people that were directly in my life is just mostly unbelievers. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And I knew I was hearing enough good teaching in my home to know that I couldn't have both. Yeah. But I still wanted both. I still yeah. wanted, you know, hmm. salvation but I didn't want to give up the world. Yeah. And that's impossible. What about you, Chad? Anything? Video uh, games. Really? Oh, video okay. games. Okay. <laughs> it, was, was it, it, was, huh? it was bad. Yeah. There was, I, I think the thing that attracted me and probably that attracts most people to video games is that we can do what we want. Mm, I hmm. see what you're talking um, about. Yeah. And I could go about creating the life for myself that had no consequences that I wanted. Hmm. I spent so much time, so much time. I want to cry. It was so much time on video games. Mm. And it was it was destructive. Like I just remember so many times when I would come home from work 
And we kind of lived out in the middle of nowhere. So by the time I was home yeah. from work a little bit later to get somewhere, it was just like, ugh, I'll just play, you know, four or five hours of Overwatch or something like that. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay. Hey, but it's not sexual sin. It's mm. like, is this really simple yeah. in the Bible at all? Yeah. But like just, just the reaction I would get from my mom, like, can you help me with this? Yeah, sure. And like mm, a, yeah. a minute. Uh, and then two hours later, and something that stood out in our staff Bible study this morning. Yeah. This is what the uh, angels are singing about God as he's sitting on the throne mm. in heaven. It's what's going on. You are worthy, O Lord our God, wow. to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. That was what I wanted for my life. Hmm. I wanted the angels to be singing that about me, hmm. that I could, and I mean, ultimately, that was the attitude that I had coming into video games. I could play whatever I want. If I don't like this particular life, I'll just pick up a different video game and play that one. Um, and so I could just create whatever life I wanted for myself with no consequences, and it was it was it was glorious. It was amazing. Totally self. Yeah, uh, I get that. The like, other thing was probably traveling. Yeah. I, mean, I was working for a, a roofing company, and we were making ridiculous money for the work we were doing. And roofing, you know, the peak season is in the summer, spring, summer, and fall, and then mm-hmm. winter it just really slowed down. So with the type of money that I was making, I was able to take like a month off and go wherever I wanted. Mm. Um, and just travel. Yeah, and yeah. it was basically like. Here, like taking my video games and appropriating them to my actual real life. I could go wherever and I could just like spend money on whatever I wanted to because it was like, yeah, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make like however many thousands of dollars next summer. So like consideration for others in my finances? No, because, you know, I'm just going to make more money. Mm. Um, So it was just building this entire life uh, around myself, around gaining more experiences for myself. You know, it's interesting too. kind of, I guess the verse that comes to mind is in Psalm 73. And it it describes, I believe, our (laughs) desires. you know, when we're not truly born again, we're not saved. I remember this just being very clear and wanting to bring the restrictions of God, you know, being a Christian, you know, and trying to find a narrow gate and a narrow way to enter in and be a Christian. I mean, it's impossible. And so all the while, we could easily be wanting to put into practice morals, excellent standards, and yet within our heart, we find ourselves very jealous of others um, in the world, success of the world, um, people doing well. And what comes to mind is Psalm 73, 5. Well, I'll start in verse 3. For I was envious, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Mm. They seem to live such painless lives Their bodies are so healthy and so strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. And that seemed to be like my heart's reality when I was trying to live this Christian life out and couldn't find uh, peace with God because all the restraints were all the things that were 
kind of stimulating me, getting me to be even more agitated and angry, looking at people that were, you know, Christians. And it's like, yeah, but all these other people are, they're prospering, mm -hmm. they're doing well. And I grew envious. I'm like, well, how come they can do that? And I can't, you know? And so my heart wasn't right about it. You see God as a hindrance, not yeah. as a help. That's, that's what started happening in me, mm. you know? I just had such a skewed view of the Lord that he was a hindrance to what I, mm. well, wanted, but what I thought I needed. You know what I mean? He was in the way, and so I needed to circumvent him to get what I needed, which... You know, I'm thinking about it now, too, like going back to those warning signs a little bit and even just the things that were so wrong with our lives, not just the sexual sin, but, you know, like what you're talking about with video games and my pursuit enslaving me to be so driven to accomplish something, you know, and especially even you, Vinny, in your relationship, um, even with your mom, like, why, why weren't we willing to heed? What was it that was keeping us really from this change, this separation from the world, cosmos? Uh, what really was keeping us? Well, a verse came to mind as I was thinking about this. <clears throat> Interview. Actually, I just I read it this morning, and, and I've been thinking about it. Um, it's in Isaiah twenty-eight, hmm. and verse fifteen. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. So, I had abandoned. The Lord, I didn't read his word, so I didn't have any truth. And so I was able to justify my love of the world. Mm. And it was just, there was nothing solid about what I was standing on, but I had deceived myself in thinking that I could have the world and still be saved. Mm. It was just a, a foundation of lies. And, you know, there's a couple places in scripture where, you know, those people are saying, does the Lord see? Can he even see me? You know, and that mm. I had become so blind that I thought the Lord didn't even see what was going on inside of me. Yeah. Able to get away with so many things, even in secret mm -hmm. and really thinking somehow either God's okay with this mm -hmm. um, or God can't see this. And um, that was definitely something that, you know, I go back to just the I was comfortable. I think that was my problem. Mm, yeah. You know, I was very comfortable with the music that I could listen to as long as, you know, I was keeping it um, without cuss words, um, keeping it, you know, I didn't realize there's a lot of pull in all of the secular music that is specifically pointing to lure me away from mm. exactly what Chad was saying, that presence of God worshiping and understanding that God is holy and he deserves all worship. Um, and I did not see that. You know, I was lukewarm. That's what I would call it. And I, I was okay with hearing good sermons on a Sunday, taking scripture, doing some Bible studies, reading some good books, and not desiring to change because I was comfortable with where I was at. Well, a, a passage that comes to mind, and this is certainly true, of where I was at and how this is where I will go back to in my flesh apart from the faithfulness of the Lord. Zephaniah 
At that mm. time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Mm-hmm. Just thinking that God's, that God's indifferent, that he's, he's not really going to do anything bad, he's not going to really do anything good, having no fear of God in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it's really easy to justify a love for the world and a, a filling of myself with worldly things when my only understanding of the world is my own creation of what the world yeah. is. Yeah. And so trying to, you know, come up with a conviction to separate myself from something, I'm like, well, you know, these things aren't that bad. It's just really easy to justify it. Mm. And then just having the wrong view of God is, mm. I mean, that is a huge source of, you know, thinking in my own complacency, thinking God's like me, complacent, and yeah. he's not going to do anything. Wow, yeah. That's right. Regarding my sin, regarding Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, yeah, those were really detrimental to my walk with the Lord, and it was it was really conducive to a love for the world. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting. Pastor Steve mentions the um, three distinct features of the world, uh, the cosmos: collective mindset, a godless culture, and a global system. One of the things that the Lord really had to reveal to me was that it wasn't just my sexual sin, and it just wasn't the R-rated movies or the music that had the explicit words in them. It was the world system itself, and that had everything to do with me. Like, I was the one that wanted all of that, the pleasure and everything the world was offering um, and I had to see that it was a world system. I was very much like mm-hmm. considering, well, this is just, you know, this sexual sin or this issue that I've got is over here. But, you know, 78% of my Christian walk is good. Yeah. And so it was hard for me to really recognize that it's it's all bad. And yeah. it was all bad in the core. That was something the Lord really had to show me and... You know, as you were going through the program, um, as you were getting counsel and going through your time at Pure Life, especially uh, in the, I would say, breakthrough moments that God showed you, this is what it means to be set apart to me. Does anything stand out to you guys looking back about those key moments where the Lord really exposed and showed you, this is what being set apart to me looks like? Something that I need to constantly hold before myself is that so many things that are just part of my life are part of the system's world, but they're not inherently evil or sinful. But a couple months ago, Vinny, you and I had done that at at our cabin retreat, that Bible study on on worldliness. Mm -hmm. And there was something that stuck with me through that, and it was expositors. I included it in my study, and I have no idea what they were commenting on it. Uh, But he said, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Mm -hmm. He implies that they might know this and that they can scarcely help in doing so. It is so obvious that the love of his opponent is to be unfaithful and hostile to him. There can be no true and loyal affection for God while some other than God is loved and not loved for his sake. He uses the example, if a woman shall put away her husband and marry another, she committeth adultery. 
If a soul shall not put away its God and marry another, it committeth adultery. A wife who cultivates friendship with one who is trying to seduce her becomes the enemy of her husband. And every Christian and Jew ought to know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I, and I really like what you said about, you know, when God deals with worldliness in our life, he's dealing with our hearts. Mm-hmm. Because some of these things, they do seem innocuous, but because we love them, they're idols. And it's something that we have to deal with in our heart. And then the Lord asks us to give them up or cut them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I was absolutely surprised to find out that it was more than just my sexual sin that needed to be dealt with, really needed to be repented Mm of, and letting the Lord in, um, dealing with those specific areas surprised me, you know, like to find out, you know, the world system is full of lies. You know, we can look at the media, we have a very hard time now trying to discern truth and I had to realize, like, I was a part of the world because of how much I was full of lies. You know, and there was, you know, nobody goes around saying I'm a liar. But when you find out, like, for me, that was that was absolutely shocking. Mm, yeah. You know, is there anything where the Lord, you know, revealed to you, you know, like, Vinny, this is exactly how you aligned yourself with the world and you were maybe taken back, and you're like, no, not not that. Really? The world in that way? Me? Yeah. <clears throat> Especially in the program, I started being confronted and convicted. Not not really confronted about it by anyone, you know, not my counselor or anyone, but just convicted mm-hmm. yeah. in my heart about my sarcasm mm. and what I thought was funny. I had a very dark, cynical humor. Um, mm. I could take, you know anything and try and make it funny. And I was very sarcastic with people. Mm. And really what it came down to was a desire, like you said, for attention, Mm. you know, just in conversation. I never thought I was someone who wanted to be the center of attention. In a lot of ways I would avoid it, but in conversation, I would just, I would just try so hard to be funny and make people laugh. And it wasn't for them. It was for me. And I think Recently, what the Lord has made very real is uh, the self-idolatry, you know, mm. the desire to be admired by people. Yeah. And what that turns into is stealing the affections from other people that they should be giving to God for myself. Wow. And mm. when it comes to sexual sin, a lot of the fantasy and the pornography had a lot to do with that. It was yeah, just me. Right. Um, it was just an easy direct, instantaneous way to get that gratification without involving anyone else. But the answer wasn't to cut the sexual sin out of my life. It was to deal with the self-idolatry. Yeah. That's amazing how, you know, I never put two and two together until really coming to pure life. But that, the residential program specifically um, helped in that area. Thinking about what you mentioned, um, Chad, about the video games is there other parts for you specifically I'd love to hear about when you were in the program, how your heart began to see like this is this is exactly what the world um, is like and I have I've been aligning myself with it. Um, 
I don't know that it was in the program so much, but it was mm-hmm. after the program and coming on staff. Mm. You know, I really just wanted to go home and be with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just having that idolatry of family rather than following the call of God on my wow. life. I mean, I was, I was just reading Matthew here, uh, Matthew 10. If, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And, you know, coming from, so my parents were Mennonite, and so I come from an Anabaptist background. And I guess, I mean, there's plenty of worldliness in the Anabaptist communities, uh, but one thing I really value about it is that they place a lot of value on the family unit. Yeah. I really appreciate that about them. But in my heart, it's led to idolatry. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, and it would have continued to grow into a bigger and bigger idol if the Lord hadn't dealt with it and called me on staff here. Because wow. um, I, really, I really do love my family. And my mom is a champ because she raised me. Um, and she put up with me and put up with me, and I really love my brothers. They're actually all at the cabin um, in Pennsylvania right now on family vacation. And so it's just dealing with that. While family is is an institute that was established by God, when we put that, when I put that in my life, mm-hmm. and I love my family more than I love God, wow. I'm not worthy of being God's disciple. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy being a follower of Christ. Yeah. And honestly, like the best good I can do for my family is to follow Jesus. That's right. Yeah. And I know that That's right so now good. he's called me here, and I'm really thankful for that, that he's He's cared for me and my family enough um, to call me deeper into the Lord, to give mm. me more of Jesus by calling me here. Yeah, you've got, you've got to realign yourself with Christ and Christ mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. Um, you know, was thinking about all of this, and as we're wrapping up, I'm wondering some of the challenges that we've had mm. to face being called out ones, now being set apart mm. to God. Um, can you guys think of some of the challenges that you have had to face uh, to be set apart to God? Um, intentionally, on purpose, loving the Word by getting into it yeah. and studying it and finding out what it mm. has to say about my condition. Yeah. It's certainly been a challenge. I mean, it's really easy just to kind of, you know, page through uh, the Bible, you know, listen to it on an audio book. But when it comes to actually like stopping, slowing mm. down, yeah. reading it, studying it, understanding it, and then applying it to my life, like allowing it to, to read me in a sense, mm. and then responding to it in repentance mm. is is difficult. Like, all of those elements are needed mm. to grow in the Lord. And it's so easy for me, especially in the mornings. I'm just, I'm always tired in the mornings. Yeah. It's like a normal morning thing. Not I, me. I can get right up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. You are a special. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like drag myself out of bed yeah. and wake up enough to engage mentally with this. Yeah. But that's hard for you. Yeah. It's and like... it's, it's difficult, but it's something that's very necessary. Wow. Um, that's neat how you found that as like something that you go to that it's a part of your daily morning, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a nece- it's a necessary thing. It's vitality for you. Yeah, 
And all of that, you had uh, mentioned earlier, I think in passing, about just being in the light. You can't come into the light unless you know the light. Yeah, that's and right. so just yeah. just being in the word and knowing what the truth is. I mean, going back to what we said early on in the in the interview about, or, or for me anyway, not yeah, sure, I was separated from the world, but it was my own concept of what the world was. Yeah, the only way I can actually truly be a called out one is to know what I'm called out from and to know what I'm called to. Mm. Yeah, and that happens through study of the word and just prayer and and asking the Lord to reveal himself which is what i'm called it's who i'm called to yeah mm. so it's it, like from all of that i have the same idea of the challenges primarily because of the way that i think all of us have lived our life we've never been very consistent you know starting something and finding either to mm. have an obstacle to face or just being bored with it, and we move on to something else. And I, yeah. you know, you could take that for guitar lessons, piano whoa, lessons. Whoa, talk about yourself here, like <laughs> calm, calm down. Okay, you stop something. <laughs> and, but what's so interesting, especially what you're saying, Chad, it's so true. The consistency, the consistency of running our race now, running it well, enduring, and that is a constant theme that you see, especially in the epistles and. Mm. Um, how Paul mm -hmm. is emphatic about making sure that you run your race well, but you endure. You know, and even Jesus is saying the endurance until the end is the one with the crown. That's the one with the crown of life. And especially knowing that consistency has been something that all of us have struggled with, seeing it as a challenge now, I find it to be one of the most helpful things in my walk with the Lord is consistency with prayer, with reading the Word. You know, Vinny, anything that comes to mind about just the challenges that you've faced in terms of being separate and set apart to the Lord? Yeah, it's along the same lines. I was about to say earlier, I almost chimed in and said, when you were talking about the influences of the world, yeah. um, I almost said they're really subtle, but mm. they're not. They're really not. The only reason they were subtle in my life is because I wasn't reading the Word. I didn't know God's mind, mm. you know? And that's Kinda something... Kind of like what Chad was saying earlier. Mm, yeah, and that's something that has changed drastically recently, or I've been convicted more of it. Not just mm -hmm. reading the Word, but finding out what God thinks, what He thinks about certain things. So like self-idolatry. What is God's view on idolatry? It's not good. Right. I mean, it yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Right. But going in and finding out for going yourself. Yes. Not just taking people's word for it, but spending that daily time in the word with a desire to know God's mind and for him to renew my mind, yeah. realizing mm -hmm. that my thinking is wrong and yeah. it has been for a very long time and I need him to change my mind. Yeah. And so it lines up with the way that he thinks. And then so like when I'm seeking approval from others, mm -hmm. you know, when I realize that the word teaches, that God teaches us through the word, that I'm approved by him through Christ, I'm accepted by him as his child, I can now approach relationships hmm. in the desire to give and not take. Yeah, you know, how can I give to this person? How can I serve this person? Because I'm already approved by God. Right. I don't need to take approval from that mm. person or find it in them. It's good. You know? So it's like that renewal of mind that comes in between the putting off and putting on is yeah. crucial. And it's something I'm just coming into. Thanks for listening. 
We really appreciate those of you joining us for our Babylon series, and I want to especially thank those of you listening in on these roundtable discussions. We hope these stories resonate with you and encourage you to cut off worldly ties in your life and to pursue a deep love for Jesus. 